Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing the newest Paul Thomas Anderson film, Licorice Pizza. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for this movie? Sure. The story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. Treacherous. Right? Like, wow. Ooh. A little surprised that that word showed up in this summary. Right? All right. What was your one-sentence summary for licorice pizza? Mine is cardio, entrepreneurship, and angst in the 1970s. Yes. Lots of running. Lots of cardio. <laughs> like, wow. I was really motivated after watching this today, and I went on a run. So thank you, Licorice, licorice Pizza, for helping me also get my cardio in. Get that heart rate going. Yeah. Yes. You know, everybody's running around. So mm-hmm. why not join in? On the fun. Constant running. (laughs) Uh, My one sentence summary is, who knew Wendy was Jewish and Peter Pan had pimples? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I had not gone there. Wow. That one came to me about uh, 10 minutes before we were set to record. So I pivoted towards this direction. (laughs) Man, I love it when inspiration strikes. Yes. The best. Yes. My other one was some bit about running too. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we didn't both go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thoughts about Licorice Pizza. What did you think of this movie? I'm very intrigued. I think this will be an interesting discussion. I think so too. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I wanted to love it because I'm a a big (laughs) fan of PTA. I think that he is a phenomenal director. He, I mean, I'm still obsessed about Phantom Thread and I probably will be for the rest of my life. So I just, I wanted this to be as incredible as Phantom Thread and it is is not. Um, It's very well made. Uh, I feel like a lot of the filmmaking components are effective. Um, I could see like, okay, this is very like technically proficient. This is very well made, like all of that. Uh, I have some problems with the story itself. And uh, I really, really hated the ending. I'm not going to talk about it now. We can talk about it in spoiler (laughs) territory, but um, I hated the ending so, so much. And I think that really colored the entire film for me. I, I was going along with it, and then the ending happened, and I went, mm, nope, not a fan. So I, I think that there are some other things that this film could have done with the ending to make its message uh, stronger and maybe more palatable. And I think if they had done something a little bit different with the end, uh, this film might not have been as controversial as it is now. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think... I think there was another path to take, but he didn't. And so we have this version of Licorice Pizza, which is good. It's just not great. I'm excited to talk about that ending with you and hear all of your thoughts about it. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I think it'll many. be fun. <laughs> I'm sure there, there are, are many. many. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I 
I struggled with this movie. Um, I, I appreciate how much it's it's you know captivated my my thoughts since it has finished. Uh, just so many questions about the characters and and the motivations and uh, kind of yearnings of the character. I, I found myself trying to think about that a lot more because. For most of the movie, I found the characters frustrating and infuriating. I think that's part mm-hmm. of the point. Um, but I was also just constantly wanting to know, like, what what were they looking for? Specifically, Alana, our main character, one of our main characters. What was she desiring for? Because I think that Gary represents something to her. And I have, you know, theories and hypotheses and interpretations now. But for most of the movie, that was my primary question. Um, I had a Sarah Callen hunt for the wilder people, uh, moment for most <laughs> of this movie, which is, yes. I was just, it, it, I think it distracted me from really buying into and being along for this journey, which is the age difference that is, uh, yeah. the anchor and honestly the, a key part of the entire like core relationship of this movie. So I just, I, I couldn't get behind that. It just bugged me the entire time. And I think that that uh, ultimately distracted from the movie itself, although it has prompted some really fun thoughts and, and musings since. So that's why I'm excited to talk about this movie because I think there's a lot to dive into and a lot to unpack. And um, yeah, so this will be a good conversation. Yeah, there is definitely a lot to unpack in this one. <laughs> yes. Indeed. All right. Well, if you haven't seen Licorice Pizza, uh, we recommend checking it out. I think it is still available in theaters um, for maybe a little bit longer. So we are now entering spoiler territory. All right. Let's talk about that ending. Tell me all your thoughts. The worst. Jesus. (laughs) So I I also, like you, uh, couldn't get over the age difference, but I think that that was also – um, kind of part of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I, what I wish that the film had done is just make the ending ambiguous, which I know not everybody loves ambiguous endings, but I mean, PTA has done it before and he's done it well. So why not do it again? So I, I wish that we would have had a more ambiguous ending and we as the audience would have been able to decide what Alana did next. Um, I can see a version of this film where she basically chooses herself. You know, it can, it can keep all of that stuff about like guys just being little shits and she just chooses herself. And I think that that would have been a satisfying ending for me, at least. Um, I think another ending, if, if she needed to be choosing with a love, like choosing a love interest, it could have been choosing between Gary and Brian, the age appropriate guy, um, and just leave it in a very ambiguous way of she has to choose, like, is she going to run toward Gary and the pinball machine? Or is she going to run toward Brian and the date that she made, you know, and just kind of leave it up to her kind of looking back and forth between the two. And then the film ends, you know, like, and I, I think then that would have been, I don't know, more acceptable. And and we wouldn't have to deal with the whole, like, this 25-year-old is choosing to be with this 15-year-old 
because that is just not okay. Uh, (laughs) And we've had a lot, because the other thing that I've been thinking about is we've seen a lot of movies where there's a large age difference between Mm -hmm. um, people in a romance, stuff like The Graduate or Harold and Maude, which are great, great films. But in both of those, the the guy (laughs) is the younger one and he's at least a college graduate or in Harold and Maude, he's about 20. So they're over 18. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with big age differences. It's the fact that he's 15. And so I think yep. this film would have been very, very different. And even the end would have been different for me. I still wouldn't have liked the ending, though, if he had been 18 and she had been 28. That yep. would have been yep. a different situation. Um, still wouldn't have liked it, but it, it I would have that would have been somewhat palatable. But 25 and 15, I just, nope, can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm never going to go with that. So mm-hmm. I think that ambiguous ending would have been better. And those who are okay with it could have been like, oh my gosh, she ends up with Gary. That's so fun. And those of us who are like, nah, not into it could have gone like, <laughs> oh no, she ends up with Brian. And it, then we all would have been happy and there would be one less controversy associated with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The age difference from scene one just put a wrench in 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 my ability to connect with and invest in these characters. Um, but the, the thing is, though, if the ages were to be shifted up three years, I don't think it would have worked uh, for yeah. the movie that we saw because mm-hmm. part of her age being 25 is it, it's really right on that brink of her – feeling the pressure and also part of her wanting to be a fully realized adult and to grow up and you know she gets this volunteer job at this consummate's office and she talks about how they're doing real things in the world you know there's a part of her that i think desires for that but she's young enough at 25 to also still desire like the nostalgia and the excitement of youthfulness too. So the, the like the ages make sense for the characters and what they're internally dealing with and, and um, you know, working out their their desires and their longings. But man, it is it is tough to get on board with that through throughout most of the movie. Um and we sense that the character is also self-aware in that. She is not brushing it under the rug or clueless about it. She has that whole conversation with her friend uh, while they're smoking where she says, do you think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends? So you're like, wow, she is aware. (laughs) She is aware. But here she is, you know, continuing to hang out with them. So I just – I was trying to understand for most of the movie, to be honest. And I think one of my also, like, big issues is just – I needed her sister to do better. Like, right? You know, is it weird that I'm hanging out with this these 15-year-olds? Yes, yes it is. Like that's that's the answer. And even in the end, when Gary comes and talks to her sister and is like, "Where's where's Alana?" 
She is doing something else because she has grown. Should I go after her? No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Enjoy your pinball machine business. Like, mm-hmm. it's that simple. Like, her sister is trying to be like a wing woman, but like, this is not how you do this. You should be a wing woman with age appropriate suitors, not 15 year olds. Like, just do better. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is why the whole time I was like, is there something about this being set in like, San Fernando Valley is smaller town. Like there's – for a lot of the movie, there's they're chasing after like something exciting. You know, like there's this feeling of not much is going on, so let's find something exciting to do or some grand adventure to go on together or start a business, you know. And I, I kept wondering if that was an aspect of her thought processes as well because I could not kind of fathom what she was looking for. Yeah. And I I think that's also part of it is she doesn't know what she's looking for as a character. Mm -hmm. And so she's constantly being torn, like you were saying, like between these two worlds, she knows that she needs to grow up, but also she's having fun. Um, And I I think with Alana, she read younger to me than 25. And then I think Gary was supposed to read as older than 15. And so because the characters are at times, more or less mature than their age, they're kind of like emotionally in a similar spot. And so I think that's kind of like what we were supposed to feel and like, oh, you know, they're they're still kind of the same age, even though they're very much not. Um, and so I think it's just a lot of that. Like, what do, what do we do with our lives? How do we figure out what to do next? Where are we going? Because even Gary's in this transition. He was a child actor, but now he's too old to be in the childish parts that he once was in. He has all of these business ventures, but what is he actually doing with his time and his life? And then Alana is also kind of stuck and they both kind of found themselves in this, I don't know what to do next spot. So they decided to just have fun and adventures together. It's still weird and creepy though, but it's so weird. (laughs) They had a great time. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I guess. I uh I still I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to understand. I'm so much trying to understand. Um, I think of and I was trying to. I'm mostly thinking about this from Alana's perspective because I think Gary. Well, I guess a question for you is, which character were you more captivated by, or or were, did you find yourself? thinking about more or yeah um, captivating is not the right word because I was not captivated (laughs) by either um probably Alana I think she was the more interesting of the characters and I think this is mostly about her struggles like we know what Gary wants and what he is doing for the most part like he's not that complex of a character Mm -hmm. I feel like Alana is the much more interesting character uh yeah yeah Okay, cool. Same. Because I think for Gary, he's young and uh, the idea of being with an older woman is exciting to him. You know, like a lot of his actions made a lot more sense to me than they did with Alana. With Alana, there is more of a dissonance, which was exciting and thrilling for us as viewers to try and figure out what is going on here. But I thought it was really smart for them to write Gary as an incredibly – entrepreneurial, charismatic, um, uh, 
really like captivating personality that was kind of this natural leader of his little gang and um, was really clever because I think all of those traits uh, were captivating to Alana, uh, regardless of who those traits ended up being in. Um, I think there was something about the way that he conducted himself in the world that she also found captivating uh, because I think a lot of their early parts of their time together is them as business partners. And um, in a lot of scenes, she is kind of following his lead and his ideas in, in a lot of those those moments. And I feel like there there might have been something there that was also captivating for her about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like she gets caught up in his orbit, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Which is is fascinating because you can you can see her like fighting against it at times, and she's like, "No, I'm not going to do this," and like asserts her you know independence and her autonomy, and then you know in a scene later <laughs> she's back again. Um, and so I thought that 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 conflict within her was really really well expressed um, because we see it, and then sometimes she verbally processes about it. But I also love that her character was a little bit different than I would have expected. Like she was a fighter and like multiple characters say that about her. And yet she was still able to get swept up in this. She wasn't some doe-eyed, you know, naive girl, but she, she was feisty and she had agency and still she got caught up in, in his charisma. And I think that makes it really, really interesting to watch. She was an enigma for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> You're just trying to figure out her. I, and I think she was dynamic in that in, in so many scenes and moments. I had no idea what she was going to say next. Um, her mood would switch, you know. Yeah. Um, her – she would be really fun and sweet and carefree in a moment and then switch immediately to being a lot more um, sharp and and uh, more aggressive and and you just you never it kind of was a thrill in that alone of seeing what how she would react to different situations so yeah incredibly dynamic character a lot of it didn't make sense to me yeah yeah and then she would she would make a decision and so like when after the whole uh truck fiasco and them running out of gas and she's sitting on the curb having this introspective moment by herself um and then shortly thereafter she gets the job at the councilman's office you know, so when that happened i was like okay she's she's thinking about her life she's seeing these boys acting foolish and she's like okay I'm going to take ownership of my life and I'm going to make a different choice. And I was rooting for her and I was cheering her on and she's at the councilman's office and I'm like, yes, you are doing all of these things. And then she keeps bringing the boys back into her orbit. And so even when she makes decisions that I'm like, okay, I think I know where this is going to go next. They didn't go where I thought they were going to go next because she keeps regressing as well. So it was just that constant, like one step forward, two steps back which I also think is indicative of maybe not how everybody lives their lives, but of what happens to a lot of people, you know, in your, in your twenties and even into your thirties, like you're still figuring things out. And so you have to fight through these different things and figure out who am I going to be and what do I want to do and what am I interested in? And, you know, how do I adult? 
So I think we we see her kind of processing through some of those things. Uh, and I think those are the parts that I was most interested about, less about the whole romantic interest thing. So if I can just block that piece out of my mind, I really loved this movie. <laughs> Which I think is why, at least the, the interpretation that I've settled on is that I think Gary represents, she's not, she's not captivated by Gary as a, a human being, but more of what he represents and the way that she feels when she is with him. The, the like carefreeness, you know, like the scenes where they're running with the wind in their hair, like he represents <laughs> yeah. innocence in a lot of ways, but I think he also represents this, um, genuineness and this 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 purity in the the relationship that they have together that is such a contrast to the interactions she has in the adult world. So as the movie continued to progress and we see two main scenes where she is in the quote unquote adult world. Um one with uh what's his name? Tom Tom Holden, um the producer or or director and then the other is with the councilman. They're like out at dinner. Both those scenes. She's in an adult environment at this like nicer, more upscale restaurant surrounded by adults. And they suck. They are awful. They are manipulative. They they the in both scenes I think she feels used in a lot of ways. She doesn't feel seen. She doesn't feel understood. She doesn't feel like they're really trying to connect with her. And I I I can see how the contrast between this adult world that she's kind of dipping her toes into and then this like carefree time that she gets to spend with Gary can feel like one is far more attractive than the other. Yeah, I think that that is, I think that's the read that we're supposed to have. Okay. I didn't view Gary as generously as I think I was supposed to. Oh, tell me more. I didn't see him as innocent. I saw him as manipulative. And I saw him as... Really? Okay, tell me more. Yeah. So just in, in like little things that he would do and how he could kind of like, he would walk into a room and know how to control somebody. And so even from um, when when him and the whole cast were on stage and he knew exactly what to do to get attention and to also piss off that other star that was there. And so it was just in these little things that he would do. I was like, oh, he really knows what he's doing. And all of his entrepreneurial things, some of the ways mm-hmm. that he positioned himself, I'm like, Oh no, you're you're smarter than I think we're supposed to give you credit for. And so I I saw him I think a little with more of a cynical light than I think I was supposed to because I I saw basically him as like the basically like the light version of you know the other adults who suck. And so mm-hmm. to me they were basically equivalent and she just And and the other so the way that I read this also was her basically making just a childish mistake, and she one that she will hopefully learn from in the future. So to me, this is once again like a cautionary tale of like this is what not to do. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Which again is probably not the read that you're supposed to have. I think this was supposed to be like this fun like nostalgia 
trip and like, oh, go back into like your youth and have fun. And I, I didn't, I didn't see it quite that fun. <laughs> I think there's both. I think, I, yeah, I, cause I, I, the fact that there is this large age difference that I'm sure we're, we, they knew we would be cognitively aware of, um, in and of itself is this cautionary, like we all want to go back to innocence and simpler times and go on the nostalgia trips, but there's sometimes a, like a cost to them. And here is what it looks like when we maybe should have begun to grow and grow up and we still, we still haven't yet. Although to your point about the ending, the ending feels triumphant. I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah. the, the rom-com beats are yeah. so much like anchored in every part of this movie. There's the meeting, there's the courtship, there's when they're apart, there's the jealousy, and then there's a reunion that happens at the end. That feels like the pinnacle of this mounting tension. And most rom-coms follow that same – or a lot of them follow that same structure. So it was that was interesting too, that this follows the romantic comedy structure. And, and the end, I think, felt triumphant to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As they're getting their cardio in, you know, and the music is swelling and all of this. And in my head, I'm going, wow, you really want me to feel a thing that I am not feeling right now. And it really does end on this triumphant note. And I think I, maybe if it hadn't been so like, rom-com cheesy ending if it had I think especially if the music hadn't been what it was maybe if it had end on a little bit like of a downer um then there could have been some that some of that ambiguity maybe of she oh she just got like swept up in it but she'll learn from this and like move on but this really it really did make it seem like, oh, they're together and they'll live happily ever after. And I'm like, no, that's gross. Let's not do that. Uh, which was not <laughs> yeah. what you were supposed to feel at the end. <laughs> well, I don't know because it was so over the top that a part of me is also wondering if that was all intentional. Like almost a mm. – um, like the satirical look at what rom-coms typically give us. But I I wonder if the creators knew that we would feel this like, mm, this is supposed to feel triumphant and I've seen this before, but this is not, this is not, this is not a good thing. I should not be celebrating this because there's the age difference and this isn't right for her and this isn't good for her. Because for the, for most of the, the rest of the movie, I think it's pretty nuanced in um, in the scenes and how they're structured and the lines that are said and like there's there's a lot of nuance built in. So it felt like this weird shift when they are running and then they see each other. Like it almost is this like over the top rendition of the ridiculous things that we've seen in the past in rom com movies. So I wonder if there was a part of this uh, ending that was meant to be played up as somewhat ridiculous intentionally. Hmm. Yeah, that's Which interesting. I hadn't thought about the that. That was the case. If that was the intention. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be a much more interesting ending 
for sure. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I still don't like it, though. Even if it was intentionally over the top, I'm still not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, Alana, I don't want this for you. I want better for you. I do want better for her. And clearly mm-hmm. she's very talented. Like she can do a lot of different things, which can be problematic because you have so many different paths to go down. But like, come on. This yeah. is this is not your best yes. Like let's talk it through. Stop listening to your sister and let's actually come up with a plan uh, to just – you can still have fun and still explore stuff, but as a 25-year-old. There's some age-appropriate yep. ways to do this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the minute she shows up for that date in the beginning, in the opening, like, 20 minutes, mm. it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Which, oh. <laughs> I, Go ahead. I think it's an interesting – it's an interesting setup, you know, where so, like a guy, a younger guy asks a girl out and is like, hey, let's go out. And she like kind of calls him on his bluff almost. It's, you know, how does he react when she shows up? I think that that's interesting. Uh, but again, because they play up the age difference so often, they say it so many times that she's 25 and he's 15, that I couldn't even fully enjoy that that setup because I was still yep. going, ah, honey, you're yep. 25. Like, I know that you're saying this to, like, rebuff him, but uh, you're not doing a great job. You should have just right. not shown up. Right. Yep. But it sets off the intrigue that we have for the rest of the movie because the the scene when they are – at the school and they're doing the yearbook photos. She is, as you mentioned, like it is emphasized that they, she is 10 years older than him. She asks him repeatedly, how are you going to pay for this? You know, like you're so young. Why would I show up? All this stuff. And so when she shows up, you, it just the immediate question is why? Like who, what, who, who is this girl? And what is she looking for that she would show up for that? It's inconsistent with what we've seen of her in the past. And it creates this immediate tension uh, that we need to be resolved that's never resolved by the end of the movie. But, you know, it's probably the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that was really uncomfortable. Just there's yeah. a lot of cringing in my seat in a lot of those scenes. Yes. <laughs> so I think I'm just, I'm just going to block out all the romantic bits of the movie. And then it's a great experience because if you just eliminate that stuff, it's fun. Just two two people being friends, hanging out, <laughs> going on adventures. And I'm more okay with that. So we just do not know their age. They are yeah. just two humans hanging out. Yes. Yep. Okay. You know, making businesses together, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. And then just lop <sighs> off all the romantic parts. And then it's a fun time. It's a nice little coming-of-age story. Except none of that is resolved. But, you know, they're on their way to coming-of-age. Well, I've, I've heard people talk about their relationship as friendship, connection. And some people don't use the word romantic relationship with the two of them. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's an inaccurate portrayal of I think what their actual relationship is like yeah. and the dynamics of it. 
Yeah. They're in a situation ship. They're not yes. friends. They're not dating. They're in the middle. They're yeah. in a situation ship. Because <laughs> oh, even at the end, she says, like, when I forget who asks if she has a boyfriend, she's like, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Which also felt to me like a big fat jump because she went from the entire movie saying, no, I do not have a boyfriend. I'm not dating him. I have no interest in him. And then finally, in the last like 10 minutes, she's like, well, yes and no. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, where'd that come from? We knew that she was jealous at a couple points in the film, but you don't go from jealousy to I'm never speaking to you again to, oh, Yes and no. We're kind of together. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I couldn't make that leap either. Yep. Yep. There wasn't enough meat in there for Mm -hmm. us to get there. Nope. Yes. All right. What else do we want to talk about with this movie? Hmm. That's a great question. Ooh, can we talk about uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, (laughs) few minutes of madness? He was electric on screen. Yeah, he was. (laughs) I didn't know he was in this movie. I didn't know much about this movie before watching it, but I was surprised. It's like, oh, there you are. What a year he's having. Yeah, okay, so tell me about Bradley Cooper's John Peters. (laughs) Yes. Like you said, he was electric. He was so entertaining. And I just – I love it (laughs) when an actor is in a film or a TV show and they are just having fun. Yep. And you can tell that he was just having a great time with this. He went all out. He was completely bananas for his whole couple minutes that were in there. But those were probably some of my favorite minutes yes. of the entire film. Me too. <laughs> the most entertaining. Yep. So what I loved so much about his performance and that whole scene that he's in is that immediately the stakes are set. And we know that if they do anything wrong, this dude is nuts and he is coming after them. And so just (laughs) that whole moment, even when they're filling up the waterbed and they like leave the hose running and then just like run away the whole time. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what did you just do? This is foolishness. This is madness. And then... For him to encounter them in the truck. So then everything while they're in the truck together is so tense. It's like, oh my gosh, where did he come from? Did he find out that they messed up his house? No, how could he have? And then he doesn't go in and he gets the the uh, gas can and comes yeah. back in and they have a whole car ride together. And it's just all of these little moments that were so, so tense and so brilliant. Like that whole few minutes with Bradley Cooper and then them (laughs) in the truck and then they run out of gas so she has to drive backwards down the hill Mm -hmm. that whole set piece was just brilliant and that was my favorite part of the whole film Mm -hmm. what a thrilling ride they went on (laughs) and he smashes his Ferrari (laughs) yeah he does (laughs) just destroys it so you're like oh no not only are you not ruining his flooding his home You've now smashed his car. And I, I kind of love that we it doesn't it doesn't uh tie up that loose end. You know, like we mm-hmm. we never get the that coming to fruition. It's yeah. the thrill that was enough for us. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this movie is a hangout movie. You know, like really not 
it doesn't feel like a lot is happening and yet a lot is happening, you know? (laughs) Um, I think we were about halfway through the movie and I was just like, this is a hangout movie. Like this is, we're supposed to spend time with these characters as they go through these different um, events and meet all the colorful characters in their town. And that is, that is this movie. Um, So that was fun. It's good to see a movie that's a little bit more loose and um, kind of able to breathe a little bit in that way. And I think it fits this, the, the era that this movie was set in as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like this is one where all of the pieces kind of work together to really transport us back in time. You know, even though I was not alive in 1973, Mm -hmm. I really felt like that's where I was at. And I, again, it just, it it was more than just the set and the, the costumes and all of that, but it was everything working together to, to create this whole nostalgic, uh, it's almost this like, um, this oasis or this this Eden, for lack of a better term, that that we return to that is just fun and from a different era and, you know, kids being kids and all of that. I don't know. I think the nostalgia really, really does a lot of the heavy lifting in this film for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Which it gets super meta because – that is what our main character is also experiencing as well. You know, like yep. we are hanging out with these people the same way that our main characters are hanging out with these people. And we are wondering what's coming next the same way they are also wondering and going on a grand little adventure. Like there is no clear plot structure or goal or rise and fall in this movie. It's like, What's going to happen next? We don't know. And so it, it almost is like by default empathy building for us uh, connecting with the characters because we're kind of living in the same like pace of life and rhythms of life as they are living as well through the way that this movie is structured and paced, which is kind of fun and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Like, even though we're moving forward in time, uh, it doesn't feel linear. Like it feels like these weird little uh, glimpses into these people's lives and things don't happen in the way that we would expect them to. Like in a, in a different type of movie, like their business would have succeeded and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't have, you know, there wouldn't have been a gas shortage. They wouldn't have had to shut down all of that. So it was just nice to see those setbacks that I wouldn't necessarily associate uh, with another film. Uh, And even some of Alana's different choices, you know, doing business with him, trying to do the movies, going to the councilman's office. Like it's all of these very different, for lack of a better term, career choices that she makes, uh, which is a lot for one movie. And it's not like they all happen in a montage, but we get time with each of these different uh, types of careers that she is exploring. And I, I feel like that's also something that we wouldn't ordinarily get in a movie because that might detract from the plot or the the character development or whatever end we're working toward in the film. But like you said, this is a hangout movie. So we're just kind of going with her as she's trying to figure out what in the world to do next. That's so true. They almost are randomly sprinkled around here and there uh, the same way that our own lives are structured as well. Like we get a scene here with her talking to uh, Gary's agent 
And then later on, she meets this guy, Tom Holden, um, in some like uh, line reading and whatnot. And that leads to this like big, exciting uh, set piece in the movie for us. But uh, there was all these little breadcrumbs that happened before and all of those breadcrumbs are all mixed together. Like I think in another movie, we would have gotten like a clear lead up to this like Fat Bernie's opening and then some big dramatic thing happens. There's a fallout. And this really is just random little vignettes and moments of life that are happening. And somehow they are also loosely um, still structured though. You know, like there are things that have happened earlier in the movie that then led us to some meeting someone along the way um, later on. So yeah, this this movie is, now that I'm thinking about it, structured and paced in a really different and interesting way. It's all mixed together. Yeah. Subplots and lines and paths. Mm-hmm. Which is, like it's you fun. said, it's, it's more like our, our lives, which is I, I'm really glad that we're getting more movies like this that don't fit into the traditional three-act structure. Um, you know, it's just, it's nice to be able to kind of meander along with these characters and just hang out with them. And we learn what we need to learn and glean what we need to. And there doesn't need to be this very, very set uh, structure that a lot of movies have fallen into for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I felt myself watching this movie, uh, looking for that, wanting that, and then realizing, you know what? We're just going to spend time with these people. And good thing I have a million questions about Alana. So uh, I'll just get to spend more time with her and try to understand her a little bit better. But I felt found myself like 20, 30, 40 minutes into this movie wondering like, where is this, where is this going? Maybe it's not really meant to go anywhere. We're just supposed to be captivated and spend time with these very fascinating characters. I think also the the characters in this movie are colorful and intriguing enough that that alone is exciting for us as a viewer. You know, they really gave us a lot uh, to mentally think about and and connect with in this movie. So the, the characters alone were fascinating enough to spend time with. And I think that's important in a hangout movie. Oh, absolutely. Because if, if it's not event-driven, then it has to be driven by the characters. Mm-hmm. And if we're not going toward a, a specific character change, then the characters need to be interesting enough to just, you know, we meet them and we leave them at the same place that they are emotionally or whatever. So, yeah, it, this film does a really, really good job creating compelling characters that we want to spend time with even though they're very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, can we talk about some, some of the cinematography choices? I think you'd alluded to this in your uh, initial thoughts and just like the technical filmmaking of this and uh, all of that working together really well. Uh, the, the, the thing that stands out to me the most, a specific shot that's used again and again in this movie is the reflections in store windows or shop windows. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that happen, that that specific shot structure used pretty frequently. And it seems to always be used in kind of this um, softer, more emotional and quieter moment versus some really high action scene. You know, it's a, it's usually used in kind of a more meditative way. And I thought that was really interesting, especially because it's something that's revisited again and again in the movie. 
Yeah. And a lot of times there's almost this, this distance, you know, like, and, and like, like you said, it's this like meditative moment. And usually when you are like reflecting on something, you know, you need that, that distance to actually consider what's going on. And so I, I loved that the, the window or the mirror or whatever, it, it almost provided us as viewers that distance from the character um, that they needed from the situation to like really, really think on it. That's probably like way more meta than uh, <laughs> was intended, but that's at least how I took it. Like, oh mm-hmm. man, the reflection and they're reflecting on what's going on. And I mm-hmm. just mentally had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It almost, it, it was used in like moments that the character was more vulnerable than we've seen them in other Mm-hmm. scenes you know like I think the first or one of the first few times that uh reflection shot is used is when Gary was like wrongly arrested and Alana's yeah. outside and they embrace in this like really intimate way that you you really see this um tenderness and affection that they have for each other in that hug and we don't see that uh, straight on. We see it through this reflection. It almost feels like this intimate moment that they you you, you they couldn't show to us uh, straight on with a, a full-on camera shot. We were almost like peeking in or getting a window into this moment that was like for the two of them and that we as a viewer just happened to get a little a glimpse of in the reflection. So yeah, I, I, I loved the use of that. Um, it was really fascinating. I think for me, like one of the most powerful parts of this was just how it was colored, um, which is mm, is interesting yeah. because it's not these like really, really bright, like flashy colors, but there was just this kind of tint to everything that I think was really, really effective in transporting us back and making it clear that this this happened in a different time. And so I I, I think that that was a really, really good intentional choice to just color it the way that it did um because I think if it if it hadn't had that then it it wouldn't have felt as for lack of a better term like authentic that it was in the 1970s um but I think that really really hit it home I think also the like warm sepia tones makes this feel more nostalgic and sentimental almost like a, a memory of really sweet fond memory that you might have thinking back to like your younger more carefree years so um that aspect of it as well it almost was like this faded photograph type of uh color palette that we got too mm-hmm. yep we were just in a memory stuck mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah i think also this the soundtrack um, speaking of all the filmmaking components, yes. the soundtrack of this movie really also helps us feel like we're transported back in time too. So that's highly effective. And it did a lot of the heavy lifting for those mm-hmm. emotional beats. I think it was manipulative at the end, but up until that point, it was really, really effective in getting us to to get swept up with these characters. Um, cause I would find myself like, logically, I know what's going on, but I also knew that the movie was pulling me in a direction. And I think that the soundtrack had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. I mean, speaking of their, their romance, it's bookended as well. Like that, that 
like smooth jazzy music that's playing while he is courting her at school while he's about to take his yearbook photo. Um, that's the classic type of score that would would happen in like a romantic movie, you know, and the, the, the moment where they first meet each other. And we get that same type of score at the end. So it's really bookended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes full circle. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't want this full, full circle though. No. I wanted that to just be maybe like a semi-circle mm-hmm. and then people would go in their different paths. But yes, alas, it's not what we got. Nope. No. Nope. They, they seem to stay within each other's orbit. All right. Do we also talk about the running? You alluded to this in your <laughs> <laughs> one sentence summary. I think so it'd be, be remiss to, to so not include the running. So much running. What was funny is that it would almost like it got to a certain point, maybe the last, I don't know, third of the film, where you could tell that they were gearing up for a run. Yes. Not, and not just like the actors <laughs> about to take off, but you could tell that the movie was about to run. And mm-hmm. it was just so funny to me. I've never seen anything like that where the movie is like, okay, guys, now we're going to run. Oh, like, yeah. It, it feels like. I mean, I've never done like a like a spin class, but it almost feels like that. Like, okay, guys, here we go. We're going to go up the mountain together. Like, that's what it felt like the movie was doing. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go for a run again. This is going to be so fun. Get ready, guys. So it was just hilarious. By the end, I was just laughing <laughs> every time somebody would start to run because it was so much. Like, wow. Yeah. How- yeah. The, these kids must be in great shape to do this much cardio. I can't imagine how many takes they needed to do of just running. Uh, wow. That's great. Good for them. ETA, how much – what percentage of footage is just running and that was then – what percentage was actually cut into this movie? Right. You know, you got to get all – got the got, got to get the hair flowing in the breeze in the right way. Very important. Well, and they're all like tracking shots. So yeah, you have to make sure that everybody is like moving appropriately right. and then nobody gets in the way or – I mean, there's a lot that can go wrong with all of those. So Which I'm sure sometimes they took a lot in this movie, they're running and I'm just – why are you running? Yeah. Where are you running it. to? I didn't either. So then I was like, there's probably some like metaphorical, symbolic meaning behind it all. Um. Like they are eager to get somewhere, longing to get somewhere, but they they don't even know where that is. You know, like the, I think yeah. one of the first scenes where they're running is I think after he gets out of jail, they embrace and then they start running. Like sometimes yeah. there's an objective. Sometimes we need to go run to find each other or get to the shop or whatever it is. Sometimes there really is no objective. So then I'm like – what what is the meaning? What is the hidden meaning? What is the symbolic meaning? There's got to be something. It's a motif that's revisited so many times in this movie. Maybe they just like to run in <laughs> the wrong attire and uncomfortable shoes, because there were some very impractical running attire and shoes going on, particularly for Alana. I'm like, girl, you running in those heels? What mm-hmm. are, what are we doing here? They weren't high. They weren't very high, so it's possible, but. Still, why are you running in heels? Uh-huh. You don't need to do all that. But she loved to run. So run free. Enjoy your life. Yeah, I, I don't get it. But <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but it was funny. I, I enjoyed laughing at the end about all the running. So 
There's yep. that. Yep. So one of the sequences that I really loved in this movie, because I think it, it perfectly captures kind of the the tension and the push and pull between her and Gary is the whole progression of uh, the Fat Bernie's opening party and her trying on the bikini that she's going to wear to sell waterbeds at this opening party, uh, the praise that she gets from Gary about how great she looks, how awesome it's going to be. And then the night ends with Gary making her jealous with some other girl. I think her name was Sophie or something like that. And she she's dancing in her bikini and you just – you start to see that she feels the shame beginning to wash over her and the embarrassment. She was like – goes out the building, like makes out with some random guy and just like finally makes it home. Her dad yells like, what the fuck? And she flops into bed. And just the the like high to the low in that like five, 10 minute, I might be longer than that, 15 minute sequence was just so well done. Um, it It feels like this this beat in the movie that is representative of a larger whole. And I thought that was really, really effective. It's an efficient sequence as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is all showing and no telling, which is yes. great because we mm-hmm. get to witness all of those things in her. And I mean, credit to the actress too. She did phenomenal in, in, the whole thing, but especially in that that sequence to to get us to feel all of those things. And there's such human emotions that we can empathize with, you know, regardless of what our relationship statuses are. We know what it's like to be interested in someone and complimented and then be crushed and, and have to like grapple with that. Yeah. So I, I think it was a really good moment to build empathy with her, um, even though we don't understand or maybe even don't uh, condone who she's going after. Because the whole time I was like, okay, maybe this will be the push that you need to, you know, move on with your life. And it wasn't. Um, But regardless of what we felt about the relationship between Alana and Gary, we could still really, really empathize with that, that crushing defeat uh, that she feels in that sequence. Yeah. Yeah, we really can empathize with her in that moment. And we also are able to see the depth of her connection and care for Gary as well in that whole sequence. You know, like for some of the movie, you're wondering like, is this just fun and games for her? And in that sequence, you see the fullness of her uh, joy and excitement when he's complimenting her through to her her incredibly um, – large jealousy that she she begins to form when she sees Gary talking to another girl and the full extent of how upset she is at the end of the night. And it's all rooted in the fact that she genuinely cares for this boy. So we, we kind of see that depth of her affection for him really in that scene. Again, showing and not telling, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I, I think what what really got me about that scene too is it made me dislike Gary more it made me Mm -hmm. like Alana more and it made me dislike Gary more and I don't know if that's what it intended to do but it's almost like throughout the whole film these little sides of him were shown that made me dislike him and 
also made it more frustrating for me that Alana kept hanging out with him. Because I'm like, he not only is he 15, but he's also kind of the worst. I mean, let's be honest, 15-year-old boys usually are. <laughs> but it was so it made the whole thing even more frustrating because it's like he kind of like threw you to the side and treated you badly. Yeah. And still she gets swept up with him. And Right. I don't know. It just made everything that followed all the more frustrating because Gary sucks. (laughs) Just is what it is. It is fascinating. And I hadn't thought about this until we mentioned it earlier, but how he has a lot of the same traits as the the adult men in her life also have that she encounters Mm -hmm. in this movie. And that's a little bit eerie, you know? Like I hadn't realized that fully, but as we were talking about it, that is incredibly accurate. The the things that she found um, uh, not very appealing in the adult world is a lot of the traits that he he embodies. The the ability to read a room and to like schmooze your way into things and manipulate people or get what you want or know how to sell yourself. Like all of that is ah uh, light versions of what what she experiences later on. But she doesn't – I don't think she sees that at all. I think she sees the innocence and the the youthfulness, and she's captivated by that. So that's eerie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, like, that's one of the reasons why I left the theater kind of thinking, like, man, that ending was tragic in a way. And I mm-hmm. had to keep telling myself, like, like, this is just two characters in a moment, you know? It's not, like – you know, it's not like they got like married or like whatever in the end. It's these two young kids having a moment together. That doesn't mean that she ended up with him because he's going to grow into everything that she hated and all of those other guys. Probably worse too, because if he's already got it at 15, I can't imagine him at 30, but you never know. So I just, I left the theater feeling like really sad for her and really upset that she would have to go through whatever she'll have to go through with Gary. And I I don't think that that's how I was supposed to end this movie feeling. But mm-hmm. even that like dissonance between this like triumphant score and like, huzzah, they got together. And then my own internal like, no, this is a tragedy, which is very dramatic. You know, she's fine. <laughs> it's a character. But still this like the sadness within me of, oh, honey, you have no idea what you're getting into. Uh, there, oh. there was some dissonance there that I didn't expect. Dude, that's a fascinating way to read this movie. That is interesting. There are a lot more layers to this than meets the eye. Yeah, yeah there know? are. Meanwhile, there's Brian. Good old sweet Brian. I'm just saying. Dude's Let's got a stable this. job. He's got he's got a bad mustache, but we can handle that. We can fix that. Yeah. It's okay. But he's got a stable job. He seems like a kind dude. He doesn't have like too much of a backbone, but he can develop one when it's needed. So, you know, he's also age appropriate. Hello. Let's start there. <laughs> but I was also just so upset that they made plans to meet. And then she just blows him <laughs> off for a 15-year-old. This is not how we treat people. This is inappropriate. Like, if you're it's not going to make it, at least call and let him know. But no, you're just being rude. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was really caught in up in her movie moment. She's caught yeah. up in her movie moment. No. There's a, a, a end credit scene with just Brian waiting at the bar right. alone <laughs> with his whiskey. <laughs> wow, where is oh, she? Weird. I hope she's okay. No, she's making out with a 15-year-old. Oh, gross. <laughs> at Bad a pinball choices. machine store. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yep. All right. Any other last thoughts about Licorice Pizza before we wrap up? Yeah. My my question is, why is this called Licorice Pizza? No idea. It's so, never – I don't think it's ever touched on. No, it's not. So because – What's your theory? I was so consumed by this, I had to Google it God. because I was so bothered. There was no licorice and there was no pizza in this entire film. Why is it called Licorice Pizza? And basically, there was a record store because licorice pizza was like the slang for vinyl records. So there was a record Um. store in the area called Licorice Pizza. And so for PTA, Licorice Pizza conjured the memory of 1973 and just like the vibe of the film that he was going for. And so it's a very like niche thing to know but if you were in the san fernando valley in 1973 this title works for you that's kind of cool for everybody else though it makes no sense i love that though it's like (laughs) it's an inside joke you know if you get it you get it if you don't sucks to suck (laughs) it sucks that's awesome (laughs) well because there was another title originally for this movie before in the the early musings there was another title and last minute change. I forgot what the original title was. Soggy Bottom. Because that's what oh. I originally was so interested in. I was like, oh my gosh, Soggy Bottom. This is going to be so cool. I don't know what it's about, but I'm excited. I'm in. And then they changed it to Licorice Pizza and I was confused. <laughs> How do you go from Soggy Bottom to Licorice Pizza? And what movie will both of those <laughs> things work for? <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. That's cool. That's a really fun tidbit. Mm-hmm. I love that he did that, though. It's like, if you're going to get it, you're my people. Yep. If not, you'll deal with it. <laughs> and and we are dealing with That's it. Awesome. I'm still bothered, but it's fine. You know, PTA. And you there are like people you like you in the world that will Google it. And I had to are in on the joke. I was so confused the whole time. <laughs> I was like walking out of the theater like, did I miss something? Like, I was I focused on a little detail and I missed the licorice pizza? Like, what's going on? I was, I was very <laughs> caught up in it. And it's never explained. But now we know. Now we know. Yep. Now we know. <laughs> We're better for it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, this was our review of Licorice Pizza. You can find it uh, available to stream. Uh, not to stream. Sorry. In theaters, I think, for a little bit longer. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about licorice pizza. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Spencer. We hope you have a great week and we will see you very soon. Mm-hmm.